Hi, and welcome to Drawing Inspiration. I am your host, Mike Hendley. You know, I didn't discover the artist in me until I was in my 40s. In this podcast, I look beyond the easels, the sketchbooks, and the iPads to discover what it means to be an artist. Join me as I speak to other creatives about their journey, as well as reflecting on my own work and experiences. Episode 72, Unleashing the Artist with Astronaut Dr. Cyan Proctor. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I have a few things to cover here and then we'll jump right into the interview. I've talked about uh, that I got a 3D printer and I'm having a lot of fun playing with that. So what I did is I actually printed two of my graphite drawings. So once again, I'm printing those these as lithophanes. So it is kind of a, it creates a relief map of the drawings I did. And so you can run your fingers over it and you can feel, you know, the thicker materials are darker and the thinner areas are lighter. So you can feel the texture of the drawings I did. So what I did is I printed uh, the dinosaur, or it's it's more of a a dragonosaurus, (laughs) because I mixed kind of a dragon and a dinosaur together on this one. And I also printed uh, the mushroom fairies that I created. And I sent this to a friend of mine who is visually impaired. She's in the U.S., as a, as a bit of a gift, just because uh, I've been interacting with her as an artist, and I wanted her to have something of mine that would allow her to see into the kind of work that I do. And I thought this was a great opportunity. So I shipped these two to her, and she opened it live through uh, through Clubhouse. And it was just so great to hear her feedback and her ability to kind of be able to feel what she can't see uh, of my artwork. And I think the dinosaur was was really good because you could feel the definite textures. The mushrooms were a little bit harder because there's so much going on, but she's able to feel the mushroom and the fairy on the top and the snail. And uh, I was just, it made my week knowing that I could do this, send it to somebody and for them to experience my art in a different way. So I think I'm going to do a little bit more of this and I would encourage you to do the same if you have artwork that you want to share with somebody who may be visually impaired to some degree, this is a great way to kind of translate what you've drawn or what you've created into something that they can touch and feel. And uh, creating these lithophanes is fairly straightforward. I have a link in in last week's uh, show notes about how to do it. And if you know somebody with a 3D printer, all they need is white filament and off you go. So uh, I really like these opportunities of making art available to everyone in some way, shape or form. And uh, it was it was it was fun. It was really great to hear her uh, the joy in her voice when she opened this package up, and I know she's listening to this podcast, so uh, I'm glad you liked it, and uh, I think it's awesome. There's a few uh, bits of artwork I've been working on. I did a buffalo as part of a um, kind of a, a teaser course that uh, France Van Stone has done, and she's offering uh, how to draw animals. This was a live draw, so I think a lot of people in this live draw were using ballpoint pen. I chose to use my pencil. And uh, it was a great exercise. It was about an hour. I think it was almost exactly an hour. And so I got some of it done. I posted it. I'll have a link in the show notes to it. It was uh, fun. I, I've drawn, I think, one other buffalo before, and that was uh, that was cool to be able to do that. I also um, did some ink work in the last week. So I did a uh, snow leopard. I, I drew a, a spider as well as a mouse, all using a Micron uh, 005 pen. And that was a... Uh, it was great to get back to ink, and 
And in all three of those cases, I didn't do a sketch in pencil. I just went straight to ink. And uh, that's unforgiving, but fun. <laughs> I don't think I would do it every time. But it was great to be able to to draw with ink again. I did play with my Fude fountain pen, but I think I need to clean the nib because it was a bit inconsistent. Um, it was that same pen that I used for my next live draw, which was a panda. And that was this past Sunday. And that was a lot of fun. I had so many people that were part of that. Some did it in oil, some in watercolor. Uh, some people did it in pencil and ink. And I was just seeing all this artwork coming out afterwards just blew me away. Like if you are um, interested in joining Lee's live draws, I do them every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Instagram. And I post the reference photo in advance. You can work on this. You can work on some other image that you're doing. And uh, it's about an hour to an hour and a half, more likely an hour and a half. And we just create. And I talk about what I'm doing. And I may talk about some of the tools I've used or, uh, you know, I'll answer questions, that kind of thing. But it's a, it's a great way for us to kind of sit together and create something. And so I'm playing with different materials. I did one with pencil. I did one with mushroom ink. I did it with a uh, recent one with carbon ink. That was last weekend. Uh, the next weekend, I'm actually going to use watercolor. And then we'll see where it goes from there. I'm probably going to do one or two digital using Procreate on the iPad as well. And, um, you know, if you don't want to share publicly what you create, just send it to me as a message. I won't share it with anyone, but I would love to see what you make. So uh, join me Sundays at 1 Eastern. On Instagram, that may change in future, but for now, it'll be on Instagram and uh, looking forward to it. It's been fun. So I just want to remind everyone as well that I have a newsletter and you can find it at newsletter.mikehenley.com. I produce one every month. I've got the February edition coming out soon. So in the newsletter, I provide some backstory on some of the things I've been working on, shows I've been watching, books I've been reading. It's uh, kind of a look behind the curtain. And so uh, if I have new projects that I'm announcing, I probably will do it on the newsletter first. And I promise not to spam you. <laughs> I'm really just interested in sharing my journey with, with the hope of motivating and inspiring others. So the last little bit is I am, uh, I've got all my acrylics ready. I have my brushes. I have my paints. I have my Stay Wet palette. I'm thinking I should probably get something like a, um, an easel to support these canvases, because I don't really have a great place to paint at this point, but I'll see about that. But I am ready to go. So I think this week I am going to start on my first acrylic piece. I am thinking of submitting something to a contest at the end of March, but I really don't know. I'm going to see how this first piece goes. I have three canvases. I once again have all the paints I think I need for now, and I've got some white gesso and black gesso. So wish me luck. I'm going to jump into acrylics and see, see what happens. Um, I'm committed to do it this week. So I need to book a little bit of time just to uh, to get everything sorted out and understand process, but I'm looking forward to this. So um, yeah, it's going to be fun. So that's it for updates. Let's jump into this interview. My guest this week took center stage in my mind when she launched into space as an artist and a poet. Her interest in nature and science began back when she was a kid, and it carried her through her career until she discovered art in poetry in her 50s. Her exploration of art on Earth and in space have provided her a unique opportunity to create and inspire others through her visuals and her words. She has also recently launched a new book where she complements her art with her poetry, in addition to some fun augmented reality to make it a truly immersive experience. To talk about her creative journey, I welcome to the Drawing Inspiration podcast, Dr. Cyan Proctor. Hi, Dr. Proctor. How are you? Hi, I'm doing really good, and I'm really glad to be here. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm so happy to have you on. I've been following your journey for some time, and I thought, who better to talk about this connection between art, inspiration, and space than you, and uh, being an astronaut, and we'll get into that. But I, I was so excited to see how important art is to you beyond everything else that you've done. And I really want to get into that, understand kind of where you came from and, and how you got into this. And I'm really super excited about this conversation. Well, thank you for having me. So I wanted to, and it's okay if I call you Cyan. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so you've come from a science background, but there's a, there's, a, there's a creative connection with all of this. And it seems so strong with you. And I'm wondering, is that something that started as a child? Were you a creative child? Well, you know, it's funny looking back, I would not have described myself as a creative child, um, but I was in my own way. So I liked to build things like I built, I, I, I would put together model airplanes. Um, I liked to build my own like bow and arrow, you know, things like that. Cause I was out running around in the woods. I was very independent and an explorer. And so when I think about um, creativity and how that's expressed, I think part of that was in taking things that already existed and modifying them in some way. But not in, but not necessarily a a creator in um in the normal art space of drawing, writing, um and you know even music wise. I I got weeded out early in all three of those categories. You know they were like you know uh, recorder. I didn't get past the recorder in music. You know and I didn't drawing same thing, which is kind of funny now that you know I my the artist side of me has emerged so many decades later. But I definitely was a tracked science early on. And so did you, uh, like, you had a very special relationship where you were located geographically, and there was a connection there with, with your dad, right, with regard to the space program. Um, that seemed like it was a huge influence in your career and, and your education. Is, is that true? Yeah, you know, I was born in Guam because my dad worked at the NASA tracking station during the Apollo missions. And, you know, he he's not necessarily a space person, but he was working um, there. And I should say neither of my parents have college degrees. My dad was self-educated. And he really, um, he left NASA and the space industry right after I was born. So we left Guam. And, but I grew up with all of this NASA memorabilia to my dad on his office walls. And I saw that as a kid. And and for me, the number one thing I ever wanted to do when I was younger was be a fighter pilot. I don't know where I picked it up, but uh, I saw, and then become an astronaut because you became an astronaut after you were a fighter pilot. You know, it was one of those things where that space um, and science and math were always in our house. And so... Uh, my dad definitely had a big influence on me wanting to be a scientist. Um, he, that's the number one thing he encouraged me and my siblings to do, to go off to school, get, you know, education was, he saw education as the gate to opportunity. And and it was definitely about the science and the engineering and the math and not about the arts in my family. Even though my fam- my, my parents had an appreciation for art, um, they felt that if we wanted to earn a, a good job, we had to go in, into STEM-related fields. 
Yeah, and it's uh, and we'll get into that because it's now moved from STEM to STEAM, which is exciting as well. It is. <laughs> so you ended up choosing a path through um, college or university. What what made you go in the direct? What direction did you choose, and what made you? What pulled you to that versus the other opportunities that you had? Well, what's interesting is my, you know, I was a kid. I, I science and math came easy to me, and my dad always wanted me to be a scientist. And and it was funny because I also loved like film and television, and I did drama in school, and uh, and I had all these movie posters on my wall, and my dad was like, "You are not running off to Hollywood to become an actress," <laughs> and uh, and so you know I kind of went to college in undergrad a little bit as a defiant teenager, um, and I got my undergrad degree in environmental science, and then. And but the first job I had after I went to college, I moved back home. My father had passed away, and I was living with my mom. And I became a video editor for the news. And you know, I I, I was really into visuals. And so, how do you tell stories through visuals? And so, looking back and even having this conversation and thinking about it, it you know, I think that that was probably where my art came out. Um, my dad gave me my first camera, a Canon AE1, when I was, you know, 12 or 13 years old. And so I loved taking photos. And back then, that was film. So you, you worked really hard to get the composition and the light and everything just right because you didn't want to uh, miss the shot and you didn't want to ruin it. So you you made art through the lens. And then I decided to go to grad school and I got my master's in geology and my PhD in science education at Arizona State University. Uh, and then I became a college professor at the Maricopa Community College System. And I've been here for the, la- for the last 23 years. Wow. So for you, how did, like, when did art come knocking at your door and say, um, me, please? (laughs) You know, I was, well, the thing about it that's funny is now I, looking back, I was so into photography and stuff, but I, but not, I never saw myself as a professional in any, any way, and not even as an amateur artist, but uh, it was there lurking and creating videos and stuff of, of the things that I was doing, um, but also kind of as a, a teacher, creating curriculum and the, the art of making good curriculum and stuff. And I was the kid who was looking into the art store from the outside and being like, wow, they have such cool things in there. Um, but do I dare enter like this strange world of like, there's so many different types of pens and, and inks and paper. I don't even know where to begin because it's very intimidating because, you know, I remember when I, 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 on a side note, when I first started taking art serious and going in and buying stuff for the first time. And I remember buying some paints and then a canvas and I got up to the front and the lady's like, oh, dear, you don't want this canvas with that paint. And I was <laughs> like, thank you, because I have no idea what goes with what. <laughs> and... uh but I always loved paper and I loved the colors and even just going into the art store um, just was this fascinating realm for me. And then, um, but COVID was really what made me unleash the artist from within. And that's because my number one hobby was traveling. And that's where I found all of my creative, I, I that would fueled my creative outlet. And I couldn't do that anymore. And so, you know, we were all cooped up in 2020 and some people turned to baking and cooking and all and quilting. And I was like, well, maybe I'll become a collage artist, you know, because I didn't I didn't think I could paint or draw, but I can cut things out. So I started cutting things out 
and and putting them together in fun little arrangements and and it was just kind of a joy for me to see this thing kind of evolve and then after people online said wow i really like your art i thought well maybe i can paint <laughs> and so i bought some watercolors and started painting and people liked that and then i started drawing drawing lines and um and just exploring and so that's how i became uh you know unleashed i'd like to say it was always in me but i unleashed the artist from within during covid and that's what i love about your story is that uh, there's opportunities for all of us to do this at any age Um, absolutely like i didn't do it till i was in my 40s you were uh, i think mentioning earlier it was in your 50s and so this opportunity that we've been given to unleash the creativity i feel in some ways when we do it old later in life it's the discovery uh, the ability is is so much more fun. It's so much more engaging. It it's scary. Yeah, I don't like to because you know you you, they, you get trained to not mess up. Yes. And then the the play aspect. You know, we are trained as adults not to play, and and so we we get upset when it doesn't come out the way we hoped it would be, or as beautiful as we would want it to be. Um, and I'm trying to let go of that notion and just be like, eh, just it's okay if you mess up. It's, you know, this this is a safe space (laughs) to experiment. Yeah. And I think that's what's, what's fascinating about your journey as well is you've, you've gone through the pyramid, right? You started um, with the undergrad and then moved up to this. I mean, that's all, that's what getting a PhD is about, right? It's focusing and becoming really good at these, these specific things, right? Um, And now, You've got to go out and learn all of this stuff, right? It has no rules. (laughs) I love the fact that it has no rules. That's why it's, I feel so happy as, you know, as an artist, because for the first time, you know, science is very rule driven. Um, You know, you have a process that you go through the scientific method, you know, you, the, the, how you disseminate your information, how you, you know, and you're just like, I'm so tired of it. Um, And, and this is one of the reasons why I love art and poetry. (laughs) No rules. I can do whatever the heck I want. (laughs) There's critics out there, but it's far different than having a peer reviewed journal. (laughs) Sure. And you know, and the funny thing is that, that, that yeah, there are critics, but the it, but I think what I love is that if I'm if I'm creating for myself and putting it out there, even though the critics may not like it, it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> I like it, <laughs> and so I find just pure joy in in my creative endeavors. And yeah, are you finding that since you've discovered this and looking back in your uh, you know, around your expertise in science, are you looking at things differently now? Are you looking them as a at looking at things as a creative and seeing pattern and seeing color? I look at everything differently now that the artist has been un- un- unleashed. I go and look at, um, you know, I go into a coffee shop and they have art on the wall, and I will walk up to it and I will look at the details and the textures, and you know, sometimes I will feel it if if it has a certain kind of brush stroke and be like, whoa, this is so good, uh, and and just everything is different. Um, and I feel so lucky that I got to go to space as an artist and a poet. That that part of my brain was fully active and and cognizant of the beauty that I was experiencing. So I, I'm amazed at how it's changed my world. I used to, as a 
young adult go to, you know, museums. And I'd kind of like rush through and be like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, this is great. But now I will go there and I find myself just staring at some art pieces and just being in awe and thinking about the, you know, how they created that. And it, it's such a different experience. And I'm, I'm amazed. But it's, it's funny because these are experiences that I've had where when I was a kid or younger, I didn't get jazz. I'll be I'll be the first one to say that. And my friends <laughs> would be like jazz, and I'd be like, "What? I don't understand." You know, my brain was not ready for it. And then one day in my thirties, jazz came on. I was on a listening to like an NPR station, and then it was like jazz, and I was like, "Ooh, ooh, ooh!" You know, like in my and my brain was like, "Wow, this is kind of cool." And suddenly, I I love jazz, and I'm like, how? You know, I don't know if it's experience. I don't know if it's, you know, what it is when your brain is just ready to embrace um, a new perspective or uh, it's, but it's, it's lovely. That's fantastic. So what mediums, you talked about watercolor. And so what other mediums are you, have you played with? Are you playing with? What are you excited about right now? In, uh... So uh, right now, it's funny because I love textures. Um, so I started doing, uh, I started off by doing collage art and figuring out how, how to just stick things together in a, a fun way. And then watercolors and then doing markers. I'm a metallic artist um, and, I, and I'm an Afrofuturist artist. Um, so I do a lot of like markers and, and metallics. And then I now am getting into um, resin pour on art. So That's mixed awesome. media where you take and, you know, um, I did this scene just the other day where I do one of my signature characters, which is Afro Gaia. It's Mother Earth. Um, and so it's this idea that she's watching us and, you know, we've got to take care of, of her as she takes care of us. But um, and I do it in metallics and stuff like that. And... I found some foil flakes. I I spend way too much money at the art store. I just want to say that every time I walk in, I'm like, oh my goodness, this this the the this is why artists are starving. <laughs> and um, there's so much good stuff to buy, and and so I found these foil flakes, and I was like, well, how do I use this? And so I figured out how to put it onto the canvas, uh, you know, my paper, and then I poured the rest, and then I figured out I should spray it so that it it holds with like a, a light gloss or even a matte finish. And then I did a resin pour over it. And then I put little, you know, some of the foil flakes into the art on, on top of the resin. So it had this three-dimensional feel to it. And I loved it. I, you know, I messed some things up because I, I put it into a frame and it, it kind of poured out the resin on the backside of the frame. And, <laughs> you know, I put a little too much, so I over poured, but eh, it's okay. I still, I still love what I created. And so I'm excited about figuring out how to be more tactile with my art, um, how to create things that look really amazing, but they make you want to go up and touch them and, and feel them um, from a, 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 a sensory um, perspective. What am I trying to say? Your touch, basically. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I think, and that's something we'll explore later when we talk about Jedi as well, and this opportunity for, I mean, I had shown you a 3D print earlier that I'm sending out to somebody who's blind, um, mm-hmm. so that they can experience something differently than they have in the past. And I think that's so exciting. I'm, I'm, I, I want to try resin me, now. <laughs> you make me want to get a 3D printer now by showing me that. And I, 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 when you put it up, I was like, oh, I just want to touch it. That, <laughs> uh, you know, but when I go into an art store and there's fabric and there's paper i love touching paper and feeling the texture and stuff and i and and so i want to be able to enable people to have that experience and i think that that's one of the reasons why i originally gravitated toward um being a collage artist and taking different pieces of things and sticking them together and and having that kind of tactile um sensation associated with them that's wonderful. Are there? Are you doing digital work as well? Like, do you do work? I in am. I have. I'm doing. I'm in the NFT space. Um, you know, I when uh, I, I learned about NFTs um, by going to space, <laughs> <laughs> and so we did an auction for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital where we raised over um, two hundred million dollars uh, during our Inspiration Four um, campaign last year. And while on orbit, I helped with a NFT drop where we got artists to donate one of one pieces that would be for auction only while we were in orbit. So those three days. And um, I submitted a piece for that. And, uh, and you know, we raised over $100,000, no, over $400,000 for that auction. Um, but one of my pieces that I created before I went to space or even knew I was gonna go to space called Seeker, it, um, I call it adventure art art that goes on an adventure. So I created this piece specifically because a um, a Richard Garriott, who happens to be the uh, president of the Explorers Club right now, he is a um, an astronaut. Um, he's a second generation astronaut who went up to the International Space Station as a as a space tourist. Well, he was going down to Challenger Deep, which is the deepest part of the Marianas Trench um, in a submersible, and he was taking art and poetry with him. And he was taking, and so at the very last minute, um, somebody hooked me up with him and he said, yeah, if you can give me an art piece and a poem, a specific type of poem called a Sin Queen, if you can get those to me, I will take them down to the Marianas. And so I did. It was this time, literally right around this time last year that this happened. Um, and this was before I won my Inspiration Four seat to space. And so by the time he came back up with them, and got him back to me, I knew I was going to be an astronaut. And he was so happy about that. But he was like, did you know this? And I was like, no. And, <laughs> and so he's like, you can take Secret of Space with you now. And I was like, yes, I can take this physical piece that I drew with space, you know, to space with me now. But in between him going down to the Marianas Trench, and by the way, I was born on Guam, which sits on the Marianas. So... <laughs> Very, cool. um, yeah, so it was like coming home. Another astronaut friend of mine was going down to the Titanic with his wife, and I gave it to him. So then the, this piece went down to the Titanic, and then it went up to space with me and my crew. So it's signed on the back by six astronauts. 
Um, but you think about the history of the fact that this piece of art went to the Pacific Island, you know, down to the bottom of our Pacific Ocean, to the deepest part of our planet. Then it went to the most iconic shipwreck um, in human history. And then it went up to space for three days on orbit. And so I came home and I gave it to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and it sold for $100,000 at auction. So technically <laughs> the first piece I ever sold sold for a hundred thousand dollars although it was a charity um and and i and i love it and so i had that animated into an nft and that's now available um at nft.goingtospace.com if anybody's interested um but it's a beautiful animated piece that's wonderful i'm going to include a link to that and to a few of the, the other things you mentioned as well i think that's that's so exciting i'm so stoked about that it is. I, I, it's, I love that piece so much um, because it, it, there's a lot of symbolism in it for me. And then the, you know, even that, what I do as an artist is that I create an art piece and then I write poetry about the art piece. And so, um, and that one is all about exploration. And so Seeker is a synquain and it's based on syllabi. So it's a two, four, six, eight two syllabi poems, so five lines, um, and those are this, um, the syllabi that you need. So it goes, this, the, this is the poem. Okay. Why go? Because I can. It's what humans do. We explore, we observe, we learn. Seeker. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to, uh, I don't have your book yet, but I'm, I'm, I've ordered it, so... You're gonna have to let me know which which poem and which um, which art piece you you like the best, and you can separate those out, um, even though they go together. Uh, yeah, I guess what I want you to do this is your homework. Is <laughs> I want you to tell me um, which poem and art piece you love the most overall and why, and then independently which art piece and which poem if they because if it could be one that's right. everything or yes. I'm excited. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm taking on that homework. I, I, I will do it. That's Yay. awesome. I'm excited. So we've talked around um, your space mission, and I, I wanted to kind of, and, and I watched um, the Netflix um, series on it, and I have to say that when, when you found out and you told your friends, I could not stop crying. Oh. Like I, I had so much joy in, in, in being part of that moment, even though it's recorded, it's on Netflix, just thinking about the emotion i just got so pulled into that i thought that was just incredible you know and i think people should watch that because it really t does tell the whole story i think that uh it, it's great to see you know driven intelligent creative beautiful people uh have and and we're all beautiful in our own ways that there's opportunities throughout our lives and we just have to be open to them and they will happen yeah, I, no, great. don't give up hope. And this is one of the things where I, I could have easily given up hope on going to space ever. Um, you know, I uh, I wanted to go as a you know as a kid. This was a childhood dream. And then you know, in my late thirties, I was a finalist for the NASA astronaut program. But you know, they don't have a, a strong track record of taking women over. 39. Um, mm -hmm. And and so once I missed that opportunity, I, I thought, okay, um, you know, is this my last shot? But I was like, eh, no, maybe commercial space one day. And, and it's funny, because that's what I would tell people right before COVID 
NASA put out a call for astronauts. And all my friends are like, are you applying? Are you applying? I'm like, no, I'm too old for NASA. But maybe commercial space flight one day. And that's exactly what I'd say with a smile on my face. Maybe commercial. And who would have guessed? You know, a year later, I would be going up on a commercial flight (laughs) as an artist and a poet. Oh, the irony of it all. Um, But but I had that hope. I thought, "Ah, you know, you never know. (laughs) And and now William Shatner. I mean, Captain Kirk has gone to space. Um, (laughs) It's it's only getting better. (laughs) I love it. And I see that uh, Jared, who was the the one that I guess made the seat available to you, he's I guess signed up for three more missions or something. He has. Well. So they just announced his uh, Polaris program, and I'm so excited for him and his new crew um, because they're going to be going out further, longer, and you know pushing the envelope, uh, um, doing a spacewalk, and and then eventually um, switching from the Dragon capsule over to Starship, and and progressing that along, and so very visionary in in how do you take regular to some extent people and and Mm -hmm. give them this opportunity to do this so you won this seat by doing a submission yeah and uh, (laughs) that must have been exciting it Uh, was uh it's kind of funny because i wanted to go as an artist and poet and my friends who also submitted and they're artists they were like you know, I talked about being an artist and a poet, but you actually showed how you are one because I wrote a poem. I wrote an original poem called Space to Inspire. And I read that as my video, my video entry. And people loved it. And so I was like, oh, this is so nice. (laughs) When you found out that you were going to space as an astronaut, what did you think? Like, what, what were your first few thoughts that you had? I, my first few thoughts was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that it finally came true, that, that my moment for, for this to happen, because I felt my entire life like I've been chasing space. I have been turning over these rocks of opportunity, and I'll, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? No, 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 no. And then finally, it was like, I turned it over, and here it was. Yes, that, the golden ticket is right there. And I'm like, what? I get to take this? Like, it, I found it? <laughs> like, is it really mine? Um, one of the things that I think is, I wrote this poem and I did this art piece. And to describe it, it's an astronaut, you know, with a helmet. And um, their their hand is up and their hand is glowing. And there's this um, kind of like a beam of light coming off of their hand. And it's called Searchlight. And I want to read this poem for you because I think that this is what encapsulates what you just talked about. Awesome. So this is Searchlight. I've learned to shine a gold so brilliant it beckons me to have faith in my impatient journey to believe the best is still to come. A stellar life beyond a golden age cast full of restless dreams Dreams illuminating relics brought to life by a flickering photon of hope. I will search until that golden ticket shines bright through the dark stellar night. There it is, just beyond the light. Do you see it? (laughs) I love that. So this, you know, this idea of what what are we searching for? And, you know, we're, we spend our lives searching for answers to different things or experiences um, and 
for me that, you know, being able to go up on orbit and experience what I call earth light, you know, it's like moonlight, but the earth light is 10 times more brighter and fantastic than the moonlight that we get here down on earth. And that was what I felt like I was searching for my entire life was that experience. But that experience was to be able to help provide me with the inspiration and ability to share my message and through art and poetry. So my bigger, um, I think, goal or life pursuit now is as an artist and a poet. Um, but this experience was what I was searching for to, you know, get me there. And my art and poetry got me there. And, and now that I've had that experience, I get to come back and create and share. That's incredible. So was there a lot of prep, um, like physical, mental, like in, in kind of preparing for the mission? Oh my goodness, yeah. It, I mean, you know, it's the, it's this kind of idea of when I got the news that I got selected, everybody, all my friends and stuff were like, this is amazing, this is great. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but this is like being picked for the Olympic team. I still have to win the gold medal. <laughs> like I still have to go and do the activity. So the six months, you know, of training leading up to it was was intense and it was nerve wracking and it was scary. When people ask me, was I afraid to go to space? No, I was afraid that I was going to mess up this opportunity or it was going to take be taken away from me or I was going to get hurt or I was going to get sick. I mean, you know, they SpaceX made it very clear and Jared also that, hey, we picked you, but you still have to earn your seat. And, and I got, I, you know, I was named as the mission pilot and to become the first black female mission pilot of, a, you know, pilot of a spacecraft, a um, lot of pressure because if I don't qualify, they can take it away from me, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, you're living through COVID and they're like, if you get sick, you know, we, we'll, we'll fly a sandbag. And you're like, oh, I can't get COVID. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, we're, we're hiking Mount Rainier, twist the leg and your ankle, and, you know, or just there's all kinds of things you worry about um, that you're going to lose the ticket after you've found it. And and here I was worried because I cut my finger and I was going to do a live draw and I didn't want people to see my blood. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 incredible. Is the um, and, and so when you went up, it was three days on orbit. Mm -hmm. uh, so how many times? Forty-seven times because okay. we orbit every ninety minutes. So that means you get a sunrise and a sunset every forty-five minutes. So you can think about that from an art perspective because we had we flew the in a capsule that had the largest window ever flown in space. Um, it's it's a cupola, so it's a domed window where you could slide up and you could see this magnificent view of our planet. The issue is that you know you're orbiting every 90 minutes. And so it, you, it's unrealistic for you to go up there and draw or paint because you lose the light, you lose the scene. You're, you're traveling at 17,500 miles per hour. Um, you know, and every time you orbit, you're in a different location. Uh, and so, uh, and, and luckily I, you know, SpaceX and my crew members gave me the space to create. They were like, bring markers, bring paint. Um, we'll figure out how to make this work. And so I was able to draw while I was on orbit and paint using watercolors while I was on orbit. So, okay, 
two questions. So I guess the whole idea of golden hour goes away and it ends up being a golden minute, right? <laughs> it kind of is. Like I, it was funny because um, I had slid up uh, into the orb, into the cupola, um, floated. I floated up into the awesome. cupola. Uh, and it was nighttime and I, and it, it was funny because I go, Oh my God, it's the Aurora Borealis. And we were, you know, and it was off to the corner and we were moving away from it. I'm like, ah, it's the Aurora Borealis. And then my crew member is like, Haley, she gets up there and she's like, where, where? And I'm like, um, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I was the only one that got to see the Aurora and I, I'm like, and I'd seen it before, but I was like, Oh, that's too bad. I was the only one. <laughs> that's that's unfortunate. It is. And so, what's it like um, dealing with watercolor in a in a zero kind of G environment? Surprisingly easy. Um, you know, they the main thing is that you got to make it so that things don't float away. And you would think that um, you know the uh, watercolors and stuff. But I, I had it, SpaceX helped me design something where I had a case where everything was, had Velcro and was Velcroed in and I could take the case and I could Velcro it to the back of the footrest of, well, basically the back of one of the seats. And then the, now you can buy watercolor brushes that you can, you know, that you fill with water. Mm-hmm. And so SpaceX pre-filled all of them with water from, for me and I had about five different brushes and and so when you squeeze it the water will go out onto the tip and it will stay there because of surface tension so as long as you don't um you know move your hand really quickly to like push it up it, it won't go anywhere and so then you just go and swirl it into your watercolor um and again surface tension it's just going to stick just like at home you know when you go to paint and you take the water from your brush tip to the watercolor it stays and then from there to the canvas, it stays. So my my biggest hazard was the fact that I lost one of the tips to my brush. And they're like, make sure you don't lose anything because if it ends up getting caught in like the hatch when you're closing it, it could damage things. And and luckily it floated over to Haley who found it. And she's like, I found your cap. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Be so funny if if people walked out of the uh, the capsule and they're all covered in aquamarine blue and I know, I know. it's like you know, I see what happened here. If you you could if you intentionally kind of like started flinging paint, um, yeah. you could do that. <laughs> but I didn't bring any any loose paint. Like I didn't bring any like liquid acrylics or anything like that right. um, because that's where it would have gotten messy. <laughs> so can you talk about inspiration, like? I can't even wrap my mind around it. And, you know, for the other artists listening, what, what do you paint? Like, how do you focus? Are you, are you painting what you're seeing? Are you painting what you saw? And do you feel like this intense, like, it must be this imposter syndrome at times at a higher level to say, okay, people are expecting me to paint something really magical here because I'm in space. Well, you know, no, I, instead I came, I, I went with intention um, okay. because, you know, again, looking out the window, it's changing too fast. And so I knew that I wanted to do um, a certain type of painting that I call my Afro Gaia um, with my mother earth. Uh, and, and so I knew I wanted to do that, um, with the mountains and, and I, I knew I wanted to put my cupola in the scene, uh, looking down on, um, earth or mother Gaia. And so 
So I had these parts in mind, but when I got onto orbit, it was, I was influenced more by colors and thinking about when I, when I drew this character, um, her hair being blues and greens, you know, and silvers representing kind of like the, um, the colors I was seeing from space. And then, you know, the colors of the sun rising. Um, and, and so those were elements that I, I picked up from that. But I definitely had something in my head of like, okay, what can I do before I go up there so that I can be efficient with my time? Because as you know, drawing and then painting in a full piece, I mean, that takes hours. And, you know, and you're on, and you're up there, you know, you've got to be given the time um, to do that. And luckily my crew members and SpaceX was like, yep, go in, go hunker down in a corner somewhere. And, you know, you got to kind of like, wedge yourself in because you, you float, <laughs> uh, and you have to, any movement you'll float across the can uh, across the capsule. So you have to like kind of use your, your own body force to push yourself into a, like a little wedged corner and with your arts and paint. And, and, and I have a YouTube channel and I have the, the video of me painting on orbit on my YouTube channel. That's awesome. I'll link to that. That'll be cool to see. So, and when you came back, how did it affect the next poem that you wrote or the next piece that you painted? How did that experience impact that? Um, you know, it's funny because the first piece that I went and painted was another kind of version of what I saw in orbit. It's called Dragon Eye Reflections. It's in my book. And it's an, again, it's, I'm holding up a picture of it, but it's, it's my Afro Gaia scene. Um, mm -hmm. and our hair are swirling blues of the ocean. And then, you know, these colorful mountains oh, in a golden sunrise and the sun and then the, um, the SpaceX cupola. And I think that again, that informed what I wanted to do. It, that and then also like this is another one uh it's called what dreams may come and it's based off getting my spacex um wings but that's in the the painting of the earth ab below it um mm -hmm. so it's a dragon capsule with dragon wings um and they're identical to the wings that spacex gave us um as astronauts and then it's floating above you know the earth and that picture of the earth is an actual photo that I took um, while on orbit. And then I painted my representation of that. And so I feel like that that's kind of the ways in those ways um, that my art is being informed. Uh, and then I write the poems that go along with it. And for Dragon Eye Reflections, it really was thinking about my my mom, um, who passed away a couple of years ago. So both my parents have passed away and they didn't get to see me achieve this incredible thing. And so I'll just read you Dragon Eye Reflections. Um, mm -hmm. I see you, mother, and I miss you. Your vibrant laughter and enduring love still fuels my soul. My light finally shines bright while dimmed under the weight of childhood dreams. Worry-filled tears overrun rivers of longing for a time slipped by memories. Blinded in disbelief at the overwhelming sight, I feel love beyond belief for the beauty you, you radiate. My lens swirls clear past the dragon's eye to reveal who we can be when we transcend beyond the life we leave. And so thinking about my mom and, you know, our finite time here and thinking about, you know, the, the 
the dreams and the memories and the hopes that we have, um, not just as ch children, but you know, throughout our lives, and trying to find to some extent some contentment um, with you know what what it will be when it's when it's the end. Right. I think what's what's so consistent with you through all of this is you're so down to earth. And sure, loaded <laughs> <laughs> in space. <laughs> but you know, you've you've done this. You've been to space, and I just saw recently you were hanging out with uh, Richard Branson. Um, yeah, you know, which is like, I'm still just, like, I. But I'm the type of person who's like, wait, me? Like you picked me? I'm wait, huh? <laughs> like what am I doing here? This is why I'm down. This is why this is where imposter syndrome comes in because I'm like, what am I? I'm, I'm not supposed to be here, am I? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that you still like you're so endearing and, and, and you you know in you sharing your experiences right now and and sharing these poems which obviously you could see there's a huge amount of emotion behind these and uh, and it's just I, I I'll thank you again at the end but I just want to thank you now for doing this because this is you know people listen to this podcast because they want to get better at art but part of that is just being inspired and motivated and to hear your story having come so late in life and then just blossom to the point that you're bringing it back to art is just incredible. Well, I feel um, I found my authentic voice as an artist and a poet. And I realized that I, I find so much joy in creating art um, and expressing myself this way. And in maybe, you know, it's coming just at the right time um, in my life. But it, I feel like there was so many things that I've thought about that I just haven't been able to say because I haven't been, I hadn't had, I didn't have the medium to express it. Uh, and then now with this art and poetry, I'm like, oh my goodness, it's opening up so much for me. Maybe it's therapy, <laughs> but I found, uh, you know, an authentic self within this space. And, and I think that's the authenticity that you are experiencing because I'm so comfortable with being able to share um, myself now because of this. That's incredible. Would you do it again? Would you go to the moon? Oh, my goodness. I would go in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, three days wasn't enough, you know, five at a minimum, you know, uh, and, but I don't have to go. I, and that's the best part is that I've gone and I've experienced and it's been wonderful. Uh, and I'm so grateful that I, I was able to do that. Um, and I, I look forward to seeing all the other people who are going to go and have these experiences. But I would absolutely go again if the opportunity came. If you were to go again and you could bring someone with you who is either alive or, or who is past, who would you choose to bring with you? Well, I think, you know, if I could bring somebody from the past, it would be my father because he was such an influence on me. Um, you know, he just was uh, wonderful in instilling this idea that I could do anything. I mean, he, I wanted to be a fighter pilot when I was a kid. He didn't say no. He didn't say that was crazy. He didn't even tell me that the women fighter pilots didn't exist. I didn't even learn that until I was an adult. Um, instead, he said, let's go to the model air shop, airport, you know, the, the model shop and pick out an airplane that you want to build. Like he bought me model airplanes to build. He found the civil air patrol and said, Hey, you want to, you know, you're thinking about being a military, you know, um, aviator, the civil air patrol will help you decide that. 
never did he tell me I, you know, and he, both my parents grew up with half their lives in segregation. I mean, he didn't have opportunities that I have had. Um, and, and I, but he never gave up uh, hope for a better future, um, particularly for me and my siblings. And, and he just said, you know, you can do anything if you work hard and you get a good education and invest in lifelong learning because neither of them had college degrees. So I think he would be just, he, he would have loved to experience Earthlight, you know? And then I think if I could bring somebody who's living now, you know, this is, again, it's a tough one, but um, I think, you know, my siblings would be, you know, again, because of our history, um, to bring them along would be uh, magical too, because uh, I just think, they, you know, that shared experience as family would be incredible. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I, your dad would be so proud. Well, thank you. <laughs> that's, just, that's just awesome. I have two girls, teenage girls, and uh, yeah, I can say without a doubt. I can say that, you know, I don't have any kids, but they will appreciate you when, once they become an adult. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand. I didn't appreciate my parents until I became an adult. And I was like, oh, okay, this is all makes sense now, you know? <laughs> I'm I'm happy I have two girls because I know that they're going to be on top of me if I start dressing crazy as I get older. So I know that <laughs> they right? keep me so lo- true. <laughs> looking good. And my my um and they're both interested in in, in STEM, which is what I want to talk about next, or STEAM, uh, because one is interested in software engineering, the younger one, and my older ones in second year chemistry. Oh, um, So yeah, it's it's always been something that I've instilled into them is is this idea of um, science, technology, engineering, math, but balancing that with creative. And I wonder if we can get into that conversation about, uh, you know, STEAM versus, uh, or STEM versus STEAM, and what you're doing around uh, your public speaking and and JEDI and everything else around that, because I think uh, your voice in that is being heard. And I just wanted you to maybe talk about what you're doing and all that as well. Well, you know, I, um, for a long time in my career, I'm a geoscience professor. I teach geology, sustainability, you know, planetary science, things like that. Um, so I had been, I've been embedded in STEM, you know, my entire career. Um, and, and then to now be opening up as an artist and, and converting into STEAM, I, I realized that what we were doing with at an early age, telling kids that they're either a science track, you know, STEM track or an arts track. You're, you know, you're a writer, you're a poet, you're, you're theater drama, you're over here. If you're science, you know, if you're engineering and stuff, you're over there. Um, When the reality is that they're melded together, they are um, inseparable. You know, there is art in science and there is science in art. And so when, when people would ask me about teaching, you know, science and getting people, you know, more people involved in science, I said, well, you got to go to where they are. So if you, you want more, you know, um, girls in science and the girls are, uh, maybe they're over doing art stuff, maybe they're doing dance. Well, you got to go over there to the art side and say, 
here's where the science is in dance. Here's where the science is in painting and the colors. Uh, here is where the math is in the music and, and the numbers and, um, and scales and all of that stuff. Uh, and then just the opposite for the science side where you say, here's where the art is in the science that you're creating or the engineering um, and the design uh, and, and the aesthetics. Um, and, and so we really need to kind of like bring this back to what I call the, you know, the modern day Renaissance. Um, I got my call sign Leo from my crew members and the inspiration for a team because they, um, it's not for Leo, the astrology sign, and it's not for Leo low, low earth orbit. It's for Leonardo da Vinci because they saw me as a modern day Renaissance woman who combined science um, with the arts. That's, I didn't know that story about Leo. Yeah. So that's, that is cool. <laughs> so what do you, um, can you talk a little bit about JEDI? Because I love that acronym. <laughs> and maybe you can talk about what that is. Yeah. And so Jedi is a just, equitable, diverse, and inclusive space. And I think, you know, if it's okay, I would love to read one more poem for you from my book. Um, And this is my winning poem, because I think it puts into context um, who who I am and what I wanted from being able to go to space. And so it's called Space to Inspire. You've got space. I've got space. We all have space to inspire. That's why we dream of going higher and higher. But what is space if you can't breathe? Let's stop sucking out the air of our humanity. We have a moment to seize the light, earth from space, both day and night. We have J for justice to ignite the bold. We have E for equity to cut past the old. We have D for diversity to end the fight. We have I for inclusion to try to make it right. A Jedi space to rally behind. A universal force so big it binds. Inspiration to change the world. A new beginning for us to hold. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about space to inspire for all of humanity. Science, technology, engineering, and math sending us out on the explorer's path. But don't forget the arts, the heartbeat of time. Consider sending a poet who knows how to rhyme. So let us drop the mic and close the capsule door. But please make sure Dr. Proctor is on board. My space to inspire is what we need. Inspiration for, for all of humanity. That's awesome. (laughs) And so, you know, that's when I kind of brought up that Jedi space um, and how we should strive for this, this you know, Star Trek future. Um, and, and, and why the arts are important. That, yeah, you know, we have the, the science, technology, engineering, and math. But the arts are, you know, the heartbeat behind humanity. Um, and, and we need to embrace all of this into, um, we need to celebrate that were a combination of all of these things. Yeah, and I think, you know, even hear hear about the the Dear Moon project um, and the intent to kind of have artists orbiting the moon, I think it's just it's so wonderful to hear this stuff. I right? know. Or, 
maybe maybe I can, you know, they already have the selection process, but who knows? Maybe there'll be a seat will open up and I can see, you know, <laughs> Earth rise from the moon. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. So in your book, you have some augmented reality, which I think is just so exciting. I, I know a, a friend of mine had met you down in Miami at... Um, at Art Basel? Yes. And uh, she was so excited to have an opportunity to meet with you and get a photo with you and all of that. And you, you just seem so embedded in the tech space. Can you talk about this augmented reality for people who may not know what it is and maybe explain what it is with, you know, relative to the book that you have? Yeah. So, you know, I've always been an early adopter of technology. And, and this is a way where you can have a physical piece like a, a photo or a painting and with technology using your smartphone you can aim your camera at um, this you know painting and it will automatically trigger a, a video uh, or to play basically and so it enabled me to make every single art piece almost every single art piece there's a few pieces that still need to be finished in the book but 95% of the book it has augmented reality to it so when you hold a free app that you can download and all the instructions come with the book on how to do that but with this free app you can literally point it at one of the um, drawings or paintings that I've done and it will bring up a video of me reading the poem so that you can hear me um, hear it in my voice uh, it, but I recommend anybody who picks up the book that you go through and look at the art and read the poems first before diving into the augmented reality um, because I want you to experience it in your own voice in your and have your own experience with the book first um, and then you know go in and experience it again using you know the technology that's uh, that's incredible I'm gonna That'll be, once again, another link I'll include in the show notes if somebody wants to pick up the book. Now listen to what Dr. Proctor said, and that is save the augmented reality till the end. Yes. Go through the book. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to try this out. I've not, I don't think I've done it with a book yet. So uh, that's pretty cool. So I wanted to ask you as well, like what, what do you have coming up in the next few months or the next year or two? Do you have thoughts about what you want to either try from a creative perspective or do you have some exciting projects you'd like to talk about? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, getting this the the book out and uh, and just getting connected to the art community has been a big focus of mine since returning. Um, it, it being a new artist, I'm still discovering. I'm still playing and and trying to figure things out for myself because I I really want to um, become a self sustained artist and poet, um, you know, and that means more from a financial standpoint. Um, I had to go back to work at the community college. I should say I get to go back to work at the community college, but, you know, I've been doing it for um, over 20, this is my 23rd year, and I'm ready to re-career. I'm kind of ready to take that next chapter, and I want that next chapter to be as an artist and a poet, and uh, it's scary, um, but you know, it's trying to figure out that financial component. Um, that's one of the reasons why I like NFTs as an ability to establish ownership in the digital space and, and being able to um, support myself. But also I have a Patreon. And, and it's this is the funniest thing. 
So I started a Patreon uh, when I became an artist back in 2020 because art supplies are expensive. And I, mm -hmm. I'm a college, community college teacher, you know? And so I'm like, this is crazy. And then a friend's like, oh, you should go on Patreon. And I thought, well, how do I advance myself as an artist um, and yet provide something to my patrons? And I thought, oh, well, I, they will make, help me create art every month. Uh, they, will, they will hold me accountable. So I have a postcard club, a monthly postcard club where people can get for $10 a month, they get an original art piece or, you know, and, and a poem from me that I send to them. And, and I would jokingly say, because, you know, you get a few people following you in the beginning and they, they love it. And you're, you're sending uh, your art and poems to them. And because who doesn't like mail, right? Mm -hmm. It's so great. Even now, my friends are like, I love getting your postcards every month in the mail. Um, and but I would jokingly say, maybe one day these will be worth money someday. And you know, <laughs> before I became the first black female pilot of a spacecraft. But I have people who from the beginning, you know, they have early pieces of art from me that you can't get that, you know, um, you can't buy it. Uh, it's stuff that I sent out. And, and, and I think about the fact that, you know, my spacesuit might end up in the African American History Museum and, and my art that I did on orbit might be hanging there right next to it uh, to inspire people for the, you know, to dream big, uh, no matter what age. That's incredible. I have, a, before I get into homework, I have another question. I, I just really curious what your answer would be. If you had the opportunity to have lunch with a fictional person, who would it be? Ooh, you know, that's tough um, because I am, oh, uh, I am such a sci-fi person. So part of me is like, oh my God, if I could have it with anybody, would it be a sci-fi character from one of my favorite books? Uh, you know, and, and it's funny because what comes to, to mind is something like, uh, I loved Isaac Asimov as a kid and, uh, and thinking about um, the Foundation series mm -hmm. and, you know, um, and Harry Seldon or even... Um, uh, you know, iRobot from where, you know, um, data from Star Trek was based upon. Um, but, you know, I feel like that we're closer to maybe that type of reality versus a Harry Seldon and uh, psycho history, you know, and being able to um, see everything of our future. Yeah. Versus, you know, even like a Harry Potter character where you could get a, like a Dumbledore, you know, how cool would that be? <laughs> You know, uh, did you watch the series on on Apple TV? Um, oh, of the foundation, the foundation? absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I have been waiting for that. I mean, I loved that as a kid, but most people don't realize that you really should read the robot novels, the Caves of Steel, the Naked Sun, and oh, um, there's another one, something Dawn something, uh, before the Foundation series, because at the end there's a twist. And a lot of people miss it because if you don't read the robot novel, novels. Right. And I, lo I love how they've redefined um, the series versus the book. So I thought that was really well. I don't want to spoil yeah. it for anybody, but it's, yes. it's... It is interesting. And so following along on that. Um, and there's supposed to be eight seasons, I think, right? Well, I, I can't wait till the mule comes in. <laughs> well, and, and there's a podcast about it, which is just brilliant because these are the, you know, the producers and the directors talking oh, I about haven't, it. I haven't listened to the podcast. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, they have oh. one for every episode. It's it's kind of cool to hear 
Yeah, the background yeah. stuff. I kind of want to go back and listen. You know, as a, even as an adult, I reread them. And then my brother, um, who's my whole family is a huge, you know, Isaac Asimov fan, um, you know, had the audio books and, and just to go through them again. But then I'm like, I don't know, because I, I feel like the new series that I, I don't want to have a conflict between, you know, the original works and the new series. I can appreciate that. I... Just as an aside, somebody I know started watching The Man from Atlantis. I don't know if you remember that series with uh, Patrick Duffy, where he was he was discovered and he could breathe and he had webbed hands. And this was oh, like... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like the 80s or something. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was 80s, 82. I don't know. Um, and they started watching this and it's like, it's really bad. And it's like, I don't want to know. Yes. <laughs> because I grew up on that. I used to go underwater and hold my breath. And I don't want you telling me anything. I'm not going to watch it again. I don't want to know. <laughs> that was Battlestar Galactica for me. I loved the original one as a kid. And everybody was like, when the new one came out, they were like, and then as soon as I watched the first episode, and I was like, Starbucks, a girl? I don't know I can do this. And I haven't. And people are like, you have to go and watch the series. It's fantastic. And I haven't yet. Um, I just literally finished Game of Thrones last night. Uh, I had not watched it, and everybody's like, "You gotta watch Game of Thrones," especially my commander Jared. He loves Game of Thrones, and 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 the rest of our, my crew hadn't seen it, and we're all Harry Potter fans, and he's not, and so we kind of cut a deal and said, "You watch Harry <laughs> Potter, and then you know I'll watch Game of Thrones." <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I, I can totally understand where you're coming from with because um, I remember that like the first episode of Battlestar Galactica they were like that was a scary episode I think where they yeah like it was, it was very different and I was like yeah. wait uh, wait okay but I I'm, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna binge it one of these days because uh, I've just heard that it's so good it is it is wonderful I think it's probably my favorite sci-fi series well, you know, um, my favorite sci-fi series, I love The Expanse now. I think it's yeah. great. But I loved um, Stargate SG-1. Mm -hmm. um, and I also, because I just love that they, you know, each episode was kind of its own own little independent thing. It wasn't a drama. Like, they went, they they discovered something, they solved some issue and came home, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so I didn't have to, like, follow this. Like, if you miss an episode, you're, you're lost kind of thing. But uh, when you were asking that, there was another one that came to mind that, that I also really love. Um, Expanse, Stargate. Oh, Caprica. Did you watch yes. Caprica? Yes. I was so bummed when that got yes. canceled. It exactly. was so good. It was so good. I was thinking this because I had watched Battlestar Galactica before yeah. that. And it was like, this is going to be so great. And then it just stops. Like, it come just on. Stops. I know. And I'm like, oh, yeah. no. You know, because that whole idea of how we, be how, how the Cylons started, mm -hmm. uh, you know. And so I feel like there's a lot of push for, you know, that artificial intelligence. How do you, you know, how do you duplicate the brain? How do you, you know, upload consciousness? And, and that's, it's fascinating. Yeah, I think you would. Uh, yeah, you have to let me know if you ever watched Battlestar Galactica, the new series, because I'm curious what you're going to think at the end of that. I will, because I'm just like, uh, you know, I, I, I'm i starting to give give up on the old series. But as a kid, boy, I love that. Um, yeah. And then Star Trek. Okay, yeah. And oh, another character, like, yeah, Data. Ugh. One of my guests on here is a storyboard artist, and he works for, uh, he works on Star Trek Discovery. Oh. And so I feel like I have to watch it because of him, but I just think it's a wonderful series. Like, I think it is, it's, I mean, 
that being said, you know, I love the original series. I thought Enterprise was a great series. I'm mm-hmm. surprised. I'm disappointed that didn't last longer. Mm-hmm. But um, and then there's a new series coming out too, right? With Cap- well, there's Pike Picard. Is... Picard is one. Is there another one beyond that? I don't even. Yeah. Know. So I think the other one's called uh, Outer Worlds, but it's going to be Captain Pike. So it'll be oh. the story of Captain Pike. So before Star. Yeah. Trek. So there's oh- Ohura's in it. Oh, uh, my favorite! Yeah, so it's uh, that's that's supposed to be coming at some point this year. So I'm well. I'm still waiting for them to have me on as a cameo. Come on now, <laughs> yes, come Anybody on. Out there listening, you know, <laughs> have a real astronaut. <laughs> right. You could, if you can get Neil deGrasse Tyson to be on, you can you can get Doctor Proctor to come on. Is it? Well, there you go. I know. I yeah. I think that you know he has a more, way more pool than me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's good to geek out with uh, with some uh, sci-fi. That's awesome. So uh, I always like to end the podcast with a little bit of homework, uh, like people to to think that I'm going to try something. I, I'm feel you know I don't know how you could get to this point in the podcast and not feel inspired and motivated and excited to go out and do something. Uh, but I'm wondering if you can provide uh, like a an idea for for some homework for the listener. Yeah, you know, I would love for people to be able to express what a Jedi space looks like to them um, with within whatever media they like or medium that they like to use. Uh, and so a Jedi space, a just, equitable, diverse, and inclusive space, what, would the, what does that look like to you? And when I say space, it doesn't have to be outer space. It's the space we inhabit. It could be the space around you. It can be, it, it, it can be anything. It's just what, what, when you think of a Jedi space, what do you think of? That's awesome. I, 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 like that is a fantastic idea. I think people need to be focused focused on that. And the fact that you defined it that it has doesn't have to be outer space uh, really provides the opportunity for anyone, whether they're doing abstract or representational art, markers, watercolor, oils, digital. Yep, in any way. It's just you know when you when you hear the words a Jedi space, a just, equitable, diverse, and inclusive space. What does that What does that feel like to you? And how how would you express it? And so if you do this, um, I would ask that you tag myself and Dr. Proctor, and then we can, uh, we'll share it through, like, you know, tag us on Instagram, and we'll share it through there as well. It'd be exciting to see what people create. Yeah, I'm easy. I'm just at Dr. Cyan Proctor, so at Dr. Cyan Proctor. That's fantastic. And, and where else can people find you online? If it... Same on Twitter. Twitter okay. and Instagram are my two active spaces. So um, you can find me there. Um, I have a Patreon, which is also Dr. Cyan Proctor, if you want to be part of my postcard club. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and then uh, the book is on on Amazon. And, and then I sell my art on myspace2inspire.com as my art shop. That's incredible. Well, I, you know, I was, I've been thinking about interviewing you for so long and, um, you know, sci-fi and, and space and science and art is just part of who I am. So I felt like I just really needed to speak to you. And in thinking about this, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to use a Carl Sagan quote, um, because he had said the cosmos is within us. We are made of star stuff. We are a way for the universe to know itself. And Dr. Proctor, I would say your art, your poetry, your work is a way for us to know ourselves. So I wanted to thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed this. I learned so much about you, about your inspiration, and I think you're going to motivate and inspire a whole generation. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to be here. Thank you. Have a good day and take care of yourself.
Show notes, including links to everything Dr. Proctor and I spoke about, can be found at drawinginspiration.fm slash 72. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, share, and review wherever you listen to podcasts, which now includes Spotify. This will help surface the podcast for others to enjoy. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Be kind to yourself and each other, and keep drawing. Theme music for this podcast is Acid Jazz, provided by Kevin McLeod.